Hey, you no are locked on Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden turns out, Gophers. Turns out, we're just keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. Welcome into Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And if you're listening, you call yourself a Gophers fan, and that in itself is a badge of honor. So wear it and be sure to hit subscribe on YouTube. You can find us at Locked On Golden Gophers wherever you get your podcast. Now, I'm host Kane Robb, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Gophers with you. But I had to bring on the one, the only Daniel House Gophers guru himself on the show love bringing them on and you know every time we chat it's always good talks it's always something i walk away with something either learned or a thought that i want to expand on so i definitely want to do that here on the show for the people once again thank you daniel for joining us thanks for having me man it's it's off season now but there's always stuff to talk about it's been it it's been a moderately busy off season with coaching staff and transfer portal and this time of year, there's still plenty to talk about. Absolutely, 1,000%. And you kind of led me right in there. Let's talk about some of the coaching staff. Let's talk about just quick thoughts on what you're thinking now. I had uh, Galen Elmore, former Gopher, on the show to talk about Coach Winston De La Tibidier. But what are your thoughts on Coach Winston? What do you think he really brings to this defensive line room that maybe we didn't have with Coach Haley? Yeah, I think uh, Winston Delatabadir, you know, covering him for the years that I did, I had a chance to do a lot of stories with him and talk football with him. And he was the guy that I, I would always go to for insight on other players. So when you're putting together a story, you're saying, I want to write about Boye Mafe. I'm going to Winston and getting his perspective. And I always <laughs> talk to people in the building and they say, you know, Winston's going to coach someday. And we'd leave our conversations. And I always joke with him. I said, I can guarantee you, you'll be back here coaching at some point. And sure <laughs> enough, here he is. I was giving him crap about it. I said, I told you, man, you'd be coming back here. You and broke so out I'm the not... crystal ball for that one. <laughs> well, and it's funny you said crystal ball because I'm going to talk about Mario crystal ball, <laughs> where he got his first job as a coach. And there was a lot of learning done there. Him getting a chance to work under crystal ball is something that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. He was responsible for scout team offensive line for Mario Cristobal out in Oregon. And I'm telling you, that is very valuable because Mario Cristobal is one of the top minds when it comes to offensive line play in the country. And Winston has that perspective of looking at the game through the lens of an offensive lineman, which I think is super valuable when you're teaching defensive linemen how to set up rushes and, and do all those different things. I mean, he has the experience as a player, but also, the mindset of looking through the lens of offensive line. And then as a GA working with Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon, and then he was with uh, Joe Moorhead at Akron most recently. So got some experience there. And, you know, Joe Rossi and him developed a close relationship. And now he's back again. And in the landscape of NIL, Kane, I think that's also good to have a coach who's young, understands that landscape, can relate, use social media at a high level. Uh, having a young staff member like that, I think, is, is really useful. For sure. And I can tell you for a fact that he definitely brought the energy the second that he was announced. I know a couple of players I had talked with were like, yo, I'm Jack, like I'm ready for this. I'm excited to see 
what he brings. He just had me ready to run through a wall. So I love to hear that. But let's move to another edition. And this edition might be my favorite solely based on the nickname, and that is Nick Swag Daddy Monroe. What are you thinking with the new quarterbacks coach? The Swag Daddy landed. I mean, I I was laughing because the Pinstripe Bowl press conference, I asked Joe Rossi about his relationship with uh, Nick Monroe because I figured they may be cross paths because he was at Allegheny, went to school there, and then, you know, was coaching at Teal College in Pennsylvania. And when he left, uh, Nick Monroe started a job at Allegheny. So I figured they'd cross paths, and I brought it up in the press conference, and he was telling a joke about officiating interviewing basketball games or something like that, that he, he knew <laughs> Nick. So then I'm, I'm sitting here going, okay, when the job opened, you know, cornerbacks coach job opened, I said, oh, I will bet that Nick Monroe is probably going to be in the mix here. And he made a lot of sense for – Many good reasons. I mean, you look at Syracuse's defense. I spent a lot of time prepping for the game, and they had the best pass defense explosiveness metric in the country last season. And eliminating explosive plays is such a big part of what Minnesota wants to do defensively. And not to mention Minnesota ties. Uh, his mm-hmm. dad was a GA under Jim Wacker. He spent a lot of time around the facility as a young kid and grew up watching the Gophers. So getting the chance to come back home, it worked out well. And player development-wise, you look at Andre Sisko, Fadu, Melifanwu, a couple of examples of NFL players that are in the league. And also the other thing I would say is from a schematic perspective, uh, working on that 3-3-5 defensive structure is something that fans should think about because Nebraska, Tony White was at Syracuse, the defensive coordinator. He's now the defensive coordinator for Nebraska. Hmm. He's going to run the 3-3-5 out there. Wisconsin's going to run a multiple defense with some of those three, three, five elements. So I think having Nick Monroe's perspective on three, three, five defense can not only help, you know, uh, Minnesota look at some things. They're going to get that way defensively, but I mean like the perspective of when they're prepping for other defenses, he can say, Hey, here's some things that give you a lot of trouble with the three, three, five. And then finally I'd say good recruiting major, major recruiting guy at Syracuse. I know a lot of people out there said it was devastating when he left because he was such a good recruiter on the East Coast in that Jersey area, then Miami, down in Florida, and Ohio from his Bowling Green days. So raises the bar recruiting-wise, gives you some different perspectives that could be valuable with some of your conference opponents. Yeah, I love to hear that, and I'm excited to see what the swag daddy brings to Minnesota. I don't think I can ever let that nickname go, so even if I'm the last one holding on, I'm holding on for dear life. But let's move to the running backs coach, Nick McKissick-Luke. What are you thinking here? What are you thinking with the running backs? You think that the approach of the Gophers, we'll talk about that a little later too, but the approach of the Gophers in this running back room changes at all, or what do you think he brings to the room? Well, he learned under a very, very good offensive mind and running backs coach, specifically and Thomas Hammock, who was with John Harbaugh's running backs coach for five seasons out in Baltimore and a couple other subtle ties with this move. Um, McKissick Luke was at Youngstown State and Jim Trestle was the president at Youngstown State. So I'm willing to bet that Trestle probably being one of PJ's closest mentors probably gave some feedback on, on that hire and said, we got kind of a rising star here in the business. Definitely somebody that you want to uh, latch onto. And then him being at Northern Illinois where PJ is an alum and you got to look at all these different connections and yep. angles. It really makes a big difference in, in who these coaches hire. 
And, you know, you go, you look back at developmental track records, some of the efficiency splits for Northern Illinois and what they've been able to do with their running game and schematically some of the things that they've done. Uh, I, I think this move gives the Gophers uh, another young coach who's rising up. You know, that's an attractive spot, the running backs coach job. Just when you look at who's worked with PJ before, you got Mike Hart at Western Michigan. You got Kenny Burns elevating up to be a head coach at Kent State. Now right. you're looking at somebody coming in go with high aspirations. Uh, he could potentially work his way up as well and gets to inherit a team that has a very, very good foundation, you know, mm -hmm. just what they do with the run game and how it ties in to what they're going to do maybe with their offense this year, maybe taking a, a different approach uh, now that they have some different personnel there. I love it. And then the last coach we got to touch on is the tight ends coach, Andrew Souter. This hire to me seems to bring a very similar style wise to what the Gophers have been offensively when it comes to how Kent State attacked the ground in the Mac. But what are you seeing from Coach Souter? This is the most fascinating move to me just because I see what Kent State did offensively last season, you know, not just last season, but with Sean Lewis uh, out at Kent State and Soder being a guy that was very involved in the creativity and the development of that scheme. That's a, that's a system where it's big 10 toughness and physicality with modern up-tempo spread. Mm -hmm. They're blending the pace, but they're still built around running the football. They'll stretch you vertically though, through the air. They'll have a really nice screen game, diverse schemes running the football. You know, it was power and inside zone mix. And then, having some wrinkles off of that. And I like when offenses tie the the power read looks into their RPO and play action game. And you saw some of that. And Soder had that background from, you know, being out with uh, Art Browse at Baylor, getting some of that experience with the spread and that stuff out there. So he's worked under him and Sean Lewis at Kent State. And then the offensive line coach-wise, I think that's one of the interesting things as well, you know, uh, Brian Callahan and him overlapped at Eastern Illinois, both when they were coaching Jimmy Garoppolo out there. Randy Clements was around him when he was at Baylor. Uh, Bill O'Boyle, who was just hired as Deion Sanders' offensive line coach, who I think is a very, very innovative mind, a great teacher of offensive line play. Got very, very good mentors uh, from the offensive line coach side of it. But like I mentioned earlier, the screen game came. I put mm. some stats out on the website about screens at Kent State versus screens at Minnesota and how Kent State reps screens so hard and they install it and they have an on-air period where they're moving defenders all over, working on cup blocks that are within the rules and doing a lot of different things to teach offensive linemen the art of screens. And everybody's going to release out on a screen, so you better get ready and learn how to do it. And they rep it a ton kind of as part of their conditioning. So I'm watching that element possibly maybe with Soder bringing that in to open some things up in the offense. I've always said screen game so good for yards after the catch, slowing the pass rush down. Then, you know, now I've been studying pump fakes a lot, the value of pump fakes, and you can build that into there. So that's what I'm watching for is does he bring some of this like modern up-tempo spread type of mindset with Big Ten toughness and physicality? Because Sean Lewis, Wisconsin alum, took a lot of those Big Ten principles uh, you know, when he was building something that was more modern with Big Ten flair at Kent State. See, that's music to my ears right there. That's exactly what I want to hear. I feel like that's what we've been talking about here on the show is 
maybe a different approach with the running backs, just because maybe if you take some of those carries, some of those attempts down, that doesn't mean they're not getting the look still. If you find ways to get them involved in the screen game and these running backs that we have here, especially the new additions, they all can catch the ball and they've proven that. So music to my ears, I'm sure we're going to be talking about that and, a lot over and the And it's next not even weeks. just a running back screens too, you know, tight end yep. screens, uh, you know, getting the receivers involved. And I think Brevin's fan forward within an offense like Kent State had where they really moved their tight end all over at a versatile tight end, allowed them to get into a lot of different formations. So I'm curious to see how Soder kind of combines with Harbo and Simon to form an offense that's really sort of collaborative. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think Brevin Span Ford has a lot to gain this season. I think this year heading into the season or out of the season, we didn't know if he was going to head to the draft or not. I think he would have gotten drafted maybe with a good combine, maybe with a senior bowl invite, he could have gotten himself to maybe a late third round, late day two pick. But overall, I think the way he, with him coming back, if he can put together another rock solid season showing impressiveness in that running blocking game again, but finding more production in the air, especially in that red zone and in different concepts, like you said, I think he can easily put himself into the conversation as one of the three best tight ends in the class. And so it'll be something to really look forward to as we move forward this year with Brevin Spanford. Now we could go on and on. I know we could, but we're going to talk about some O-line here because that's the meat and the potatoes of this thing we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to shift it a little bit, shifting gears towards the big boys, the O-line. Now, it wouldn't be right if I didn't tell you about my friends over at Built Bar who bring you that power-packed protein-infused bar to tide you over for meals, to do after a workout, or you name it, it tastes delicious, covered in 100% real chocolate, and that is the Built Bar. And now you can find it in more brick-and-mortar stores as well at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. You can buy a four-pack or a 13-pack. So many varieties, so many choices, so many flavor options. Cherry Barcia is my go-to. I'm also a fan of the mint brownie, but don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. And if you want to save 15% off, then you head on over to built.com. You use promo code locked on 15, all one word, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Definitely give it a try. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and four grams of sugar. Get it done. Get it right. Head on over to built.com. All right, so first when we're talking about the offensive line, let's talk about the departures. We've got three starters leaving once again. Now, we just came off of a year where we had four starters leave, and we filled those roles. Now we've got another three, and it's all three interior guys. How big of a loss is that, or do you think we'll be able to kind of shoulder the load with the depth that has been building over the classes the last couple of years. Yeah, it's very good timing to have this conversation because I just put out a series on offensive line and kind of the future of the position group and what it could look like this season. And one of the themes that I discussed was, you know, really right now the only player locked into the specific position is Ariante Ursary. Mm-hmm. It's very early to know what how all the other pieces will fall together. Quinn Carroll, I thought, improved as the season went on. People got to remember, you know, the snap share that he had at Notre Dame was pretty low, coming back from an injury, learning a new scheme, coming in later, you know, just trying to get everything underneath him. I thought you saw a lot of growth there. Now, 
he could play right tackle, but in the event that, you know, you want to play somebody else at right tackle, you can kick him inside, which I've talked a lot about, you know, Quinn Carroll potentially really thriving at the guard position. He could probably play either spot guard or tackle, but it gives you some flexibility in the event like J.J. Gaudet, what is he able to stay healthy and take a big step forward? And you put him at right tackle. You got Martis Lewis, another player who got a lot of reps last season uh, leading up to the, the 2022 season and uh, ended up being sort of the depth, the main depth player uh, along the offensive line at the tackle spot. Does, is he somebody that can kick inside? Like Minnesota takes all these versatile players uh, that can play tackle or guard. So we'll see what sort of happens there to determine where Quinn Carroll ends up. And then you mentioned it, three starters on the interior, you know, you got Nathan Bow, who gained some experience last season coming in. And I, I talked to, to a lot of players and I often ask them like, you know, which, which, which guys are, are emerging behind the scenes, you know, in conversations. And a lot of times the work ethic and leadership and just the progress of Nathan Bow came up. And so I thought that was very interesting to hear that, you know, a lot of the players really felt like Nathan Bow had made a lot of strides and improved since he arrived in the program. So it's him and Carter Shaw and Carter Shaw has a lot of snaps uh, at guard at right guard mm -hmm. at Utah state. So we'll see if he ends up taking one of these guard spots, he has experience at center too. And then, you know, it, it's really, you're, you're kind of looking at some potential different, lineup combinations that you could go with at the, at the guard spots, Tyler Cooper, native of St. Croix Falls. I wrote about him today. Maybe, you know, like I said, Martis Lewis kicking inside, Quinn Carroll kicking inside, but the sleeper, the sleeper I think is Ashton Beers from Slinger, Wisconsin. Uh, Necktown of the week this week. Uh, I liked his film a lot coming out. I thought he made a lot of strides from his junior season, even to his senior high school season. And he had a year here to get, his feet underneath of him. You can read more about it on the site, but I think I think Ashton Beers is someone that I'm very intrigued to see during spring ball to just get a feel for where everybody's at. Because really, I mean, I haven't been at a practice since August to just know where where everyone's at. So we'll have some clarity then. And transfer portal, Kane. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. in May you're looking at spring ball performance, seeing what you got, and if you want, you could potentially take a transfer in May, but. I'm telling you that the, the first window of transfer portal offensive linemen didn't do much for me. I mean, I watched a lot of guys, filtered a lot of numbers. I didn't see too much that I felt like would be worth adding. So it's very early, but lots to think about in the whole line. No, I love the insight. And you keep mentioning the site. I got to make sure to plug the site. I've done it anytime I talk about house on this show. I always say, you know, I was on this trail. I was heading this thought process. And then I saw house talked about it and I was like, Okay, I at least feel a little affirmed in this thought process. I feel like I'm on the right track here. And I was a similar mindset of you of Quinn Carroll had that versatility to play inside. And so I was like, maybe they'll kick him in and let my boy Martez Lewis get some shine out there at the right tackle. I liked what I saw from him when he got opportunities. But the site is Gophers Guru. You definitely got to check it out. And it's not super expensive. It's like $5 a month, right around there. So it's cheaper than a cup of coffee nowadays with the inflation and everything like that. You're talking one payment a month for some of the best content out there when it comes to gophers, analysis, thoughts, and even film breakdowns. He talks about film a lot. He talks about the different concepts that he sees. So definitely give that a look over at Gophers Guru. Now, I did want to bring something up. 
you mentioned Nathan Bowe. Nathan Bowe is really the only player I've seen take center snaps. Now, you just mentioned Carter Shaw. I didn't know that one. I do remember seeing very late in the fall last year, uh, Cade McConnell getting some some looks at the center very late in the fall camp. I think it was like the last maybe practice that was open, and he was someone that I thought he had nice size for a freshman especially, but I'm curious to see how he develops over this spring and next mm-hmm. fall camp. But who are some people that – could step into that center position besides Nathan Bow, which is the name I feel like most people know. Yeah, Carter Shaw has 31 snaps of experience at center, mostly right guard. Like I said, he played over 1,400 snaps at Utah State playing right guard. So not a ton of experience at center, but I would say those two. You know, I've, I've often wondered if Ashton Beers potentially could be someone who eventually becomes a center. I would say, though, it's between Bo, Nathan Bow and Carter Shaw probably right now for the center spot. But like I said, you know, it's so early. You're going to try mm-hmm. a lot of different combinations, see what works, what doesn't. And then, you know, you're determining as well, like I said, transfer portal in May, second window. Is there anyone that potentially gives you an upgrade? And you'll use the spring ball period to let these guys compete, see who emerges, and then start to refine and determine what that, depth chart's going to look like as you progress into fall fall ball all right so now i've got just like a a personal process question for you would you rather have maybe a dependable player that's on their last year of eligibility like a shot like a bow like a rushmeyer we saw this year um as your starter or if if a young guy's coming up he's impressing in camp he's showing flashes but maybe he's not quite all the way up to the speed yet which, do you give him a shot and hope that you can maybe cement a long-term fixture in that offensive line? Or what is your thought process when it comes to something like that? Yeah, I kind of look at it like Connor Olson and John Michael Schmitz. Remember John Michael and Connor sort of rotated snaps there uh, one of those seasons. And John Michael got in. I think Connor maybe moved over to guard. or I, I can't exactly remember what happened, but they were rotating snaps and John Michael was flashing and got a lot of reps. So I would say, you know, you can always put younger players in as they improve and get better. And you, I mean, as a coaching staff, they'll have the feel for who's ready for that role. But I think right now you look at where they're at in the, in the center position. I think it's sort of like a, a bridge year here to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, use Bo and Shaw and just kind of let them compete it out. But again, like I said, transfer portal, you just don't know what options could potentially be available so it's it's wide open competition is definitely available for for the taking for sure what just curious here what are your thoughts on we got a lot of guys coming in in this true freshman class of 2023 i know you probably haven't had a lot of film to look at besides yeah. the huddle highlights which is always you can nitpick your huddle highlights but we yeah. see the the size in some of these guys, especially the two early enrollees in Greg Johnson and Reese Tripp. What have you seen from this 23 class? Yeah, Greg Olson. I, I got to watch him at a camp this summer and I was writing about it today. It's just all the traits that you're looking for <clears throat> in a future Big Ten offensive lineman. You know, quick feet, excellent flexibility, good movement skills, high football IQ. Uh, mirror and pass rushers really well with quick feet all night long. I remember leaving the camp going, he has a chance to be one of those future type of blue chip players that you're looking for in the Big Ten. And, 
you know, able to potentially play guard or tackle, depending on what Minnesota wants to do with their depth chart, what their future depth chart looks like. And that's something that Minnesota's clearly valued under PJ Fleck and the staff is have an offensive lineman that can do a lot of different things for you play multiple positions. I remember talking to Blaze Andrews last offseason about that. And he said and he's working at every single position in practice during the offseason because Brian Callahan just wants to get players experience at different spots to see A, if it works, and B, you know, give them the experience so when they go to the NFL and sell, hey, I have worked in practice at these positions. And it gives you flexibility on your depth chart as well because you kind of get a feel for, you know, what the future can look like, some flexibility there. Uh, you mentioned Reese Tripp too, just a big, big dude. I mean, mm-hmm. he's someone that's that's got to get all the technique down and sort of develop athletically and, and get better in some areas. But you got that frame and developmental upside, which is what you saw a lot. I mean, you talk about those two, and then you look like Jerome Williams hasn't played a lot of football, but he's so athletic and flexible and fit will fit that zone blocking scheme so well it's just you, you got to be able to invest some time in it they did the same thing last year with tony nelson who i think will end up being you know one of the best offensive in-state offensive linemen from that class maybe a little bit under recruited but the athletic traits and the frame and everything you just got to be willing to invest and develop in uh, in those type of players and Minnesota clearly has done that. And this last class is going to be a big help for laying a foundation for the next few years along that offensive line. Yes, indeed. And I'm excited for it. I can't wait. I, I feel like if there's one position I trust the most on the entire Minnesota roster that I don't care what the stars say, I don't care what the, as long as they have the measurables and they're coming to coach Cali. I think we're going to be all right there. So I'm definitely intrigued for the offensive line play. But if we're going to talk the big boys, we're going to talk the O-line. We can't at least not discuss John Michael Schmitz. Now, he showed out on senior day or senior bowl, I shouldn't say, not senior day. And um, he might have played himself into the first round. Do you think that's a realistic possibility? I saw today a mock draft from Lance Zerline who posted that he had him as the pick 20 now. I think I'm still hesitant that he could get that early into the first round, but what are your thoughts on John Michael Schmitz and how he did with the senior bowl and where he could see himself go? Well, watching the senior bowl, I watched the shrine and the senior bowls and looking at the senior bowl. I mean, there is nobody that was probably more consistent over the course of the senior bowl than John Michael Schmitz and all the buzz from the NFL people coming out of there is just a rock solid performance interviewed very well and impressed in that area, which I'm not surprised about. If you're looking for someone who is scheme versatile, very physical, I have said a lot about the Vikings potentially being a fit just because of the way, you know, their blocking scheme under Kevin O'Connell, you know, it's more of that Kubiak outside zone, get out on a perimeter. Still has a little bit of that flair, but it's it's got a lot of mid-zone type of concept in it. So it's slightly different where you're going to want to try to dent and generate a little bit more movement with your center potentially so john michael checks that box of playing in a very similar blocking scheme and it's just i think an absolutely safe pick i remember watching john michael in 19 and 20 going man this this dude is going to be all over nfl radars and i saw a lot of alex mack in him when i was sort of studying him and watching him and now you look at the 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 body type profile, the measurements, everything's sort of lining up there. And then now the athletic profile, we'll see how close it is. But I like Alex Mack, Ryan Kelly type of center, and teams are looking for those center pieces along 
the offensive line that could be rock solid players. And so I don't know, you know, it's, is, is he going to get picked late first round or is it going to be early second where somebody, you know, like the Vikings could move back, get additional picks and, and select him. I do believe though, that he definitely improved his draft stock significantly. And this is just the beginning of the process. Uh, right. We'll see how he tests. Yeah, no, I'm excited for it. And I'm excited for John Michael Schmitz. I said to the listeners, I was like, look, I've never gotten an NFL Jersey of an offensive lineman before that trend might need to die this year <laughs> once he gets drafted because I'm just ready for it. I'm excited for him. So that'll do it for our, our offensive line talk. I got one final topic I want to cover with you today, and that is what's coming up next. And that's the offense and maybe finding balance, what we're seeing or thinking with the new offensive coordinators that's coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. They are our new sports book betting partner for the Locked On Podcast Network. It's the midway point of the NBA season, and it's here and now, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. And you know, I'm betting on the Celtics. That's my squad. And that's not just some like random bandwagon thing. I'm legitimately a Celtics fan, have been since I was like 10 years old. They're my go-to, and I'm so happy that they are out there running the NBA right now and hope it continues on to another finals run and hopefully a championship this time around. But like I said, head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on for your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. All right, Govers fans, we're closing this thing off with some talk on the offense, talking about maybe a shift towards balance, maybe not, but we're joined here with our guest, Daniel House of Gophers Guru. Definitely check it out and become a subscriber over there. But Daniel, what are you thinking? Now, we got two offensive coordinators, both internal escalations with Coach Simon and Coach Harbo. Now, it sounds like Matt Simon's going to be doing the play, play calling work, what are your thoughts with those hires? What are your thoughts with maybe what we could see and what will be different from Coach Shiraka and his offensive style? Well, just looking at, at Greg and Matt, both of them been around PJ Fleck, understand sort of what the values are from a culture perspective, what they want to do philosophically. But I also think that both of them can look through the game in a unique lens and maybe tweak and build off some of the things that have been successful. And as you enter an era now where, you know, you lost some personnel that have been foundational elements since PJ flex arrived here, you can sort of look outside the box and maybe try to come up with some ways to uh, add some innovation to what you do offensively. And I think it starts just with a few things where, you know, offensively, maybe some more early down passing, the screen game, like I mentioned earlier, using that as an extension of the rushing attack, generate more yards after the catch. I'm going to talk a lot about that on the site over the course of the offseason, probably do some sort of study on that, talking about Minnesota and where they've been at yards after the catch over the last three seasons. I think fans will find it very interesting. But that's something that I feel could really help them just get the ball in space. And now 
they have the playmakers. I mean, looking at what they were able to do with the transfer portal with Corey Crooms, who's targeted 32 times on balls of 20 plus yards in 2022. That was a sixth highest mark in the FBS. Uh, Elijah Spencer was really good in that area too. 26 times uh, targets on passes of 20 plus yards downfield, and then had a lot of contested catches in those scenarios. And even more on top of that, his ability to win against man coverage. You look at his route running skills in that area and some of the data that uh, is presented with that. Last year, Dalen Wright had nine targets uh, on balls of 20 plus yards. Mike Brown Stevens had eight. And they were the only two players that posted more than eight targets of 20 plus yards. So you look Gosh. at what they brought in with Corey Crooms and Elijah Spencer being able to get that vertical stretch element because, you know, people talk about balance. I like to call it multidimensional football because it's like, okay, now, now you have your guys that can stretch vertically. Your goal is to create space in the passing game. And you do that by, you know, spreading the football around, coming up with designs that, you know, you maybe run a play design for this player and you set it up over the, not even maybe over the game, but maybe you show something earlier in the season and you tweak it in another game when people prep for it and you have success with it. It's like play sequencing, spreading the ball around. And by doing that and spreading the football around and stretching vertically, getting the ball out with screens, you're able to create space in the passing game, which I think is the key. And not only that, when that happens, then you're stretching the defense out you're getting to the point where they're threatened by you vertically. They know you can hit the big play. So then you got to make a schematic decision of, you know, do I pull a defender out of the box to stop the run in order to slow the, the downfield passing attack and subject yourself to getting the ball run on you because you got lighter boxes. So yeah. that's what the 2019 offense was so good at when you saw having, you know, Bell and Johnson and Bateman and Demetrius Douglas all those guys together with Rodney, Moe, and Shannon in the backfield, there was a lot of different weapons to go around. But I see now with the way this receiver room is built, Harbaugh and Simon have the personnel to do some different things. And Sean Tyler being a guy who's so good at breakaway runs, which I talked about on the website, explosive plays when you get the ball in space and his skills as a receiver, return man, some electric ability there and speed. I think that was the one thing that I wanted to get in the offense this offseason is more speed, and Minnesota has that to work with. So just personnel-based, the best coaches are able to adapt to their personnel, so those are some things that I think could help. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I'm nothing against the people that have left after this season. We appreciate everything they've done and what we've seen from them, but there are exciting elements with some of the new players coming through, like you'd mentioned with Sean Tyler and his explosiveness. Even Zach Evans, who shows – that quick mm-hmm. acceleration and the ability to get into that second gear so fast. And then you got these new uh, pass catching options as well. And then you have the quarterback and we've seen it out there on the field. We've seen the flashes. We've seen the glimpses. So it's an exciting time to be a Gophers fan. I talked about on our show uh, yesterday that Ethan Kalik Manis was one of three passers to passed for over 300 yards in a single game in either his redshirt or true freshman season for the Gophers since 1990. Now, that's not predictive. That's not saying he's going to be a rock star and a guaranteed success, but it's something that you don't see often. And in that, those other quarterbacks were Tanner Morgan and Adam Weber, who also got 300-yard marks. Now, 
they also got a lot more passing attempts out there. And so far in Coach Fleck's time here, we haven't gotten a whole lot of passing attempts, but I'm excited for the team to maybe be shifting and gearing a little bit more towards balance. Now, we're not going to scrap the run. We're not going to go completely opposite direction. Like, it's still going to be a run heavy. It's still going to be a Big Ten squad. But just getting more towards that parity, more towards that that balanced approach is just an exciting concept in my eyes. Yeah. And there's ways to do that. You know, you, the physicality of the running game is always going to be important, but there are so many ways now with the skill players, the receiver spots being so dynamic. I mean, you, you just look at the depth chart coming back this year, this year versus last year, you got Jackson, Elijah Spencer, Chris Lottman, Bell, Crooms, Dalen Wright, uh, Lamecki Brockington, mm-hmm. Christian Hoskins developing behind the scenes, MBS coming back as well. So, I mean, you got a lot of different options with, varying skill sets that you can feature in different ways to come up with unique game plans that put stress on the defense. And that's the job of, of a coach is to maximize the talent he has available. And the personnel this year, I think, gives them a lot of options offensively, not only at the receiver spot, but when you got someone like Brevin, like I said, who can line up all over the place, get you into a lot of different formations. And then eighth and at quarterback, you know, you wonder how much of the quarterback run game will be involved. You know, is there some of that power read influence coming in quarterback run game incorporated, maybe some more power schemes. Like I I'm genuinely curious what type of things Minnesota adds to the offense, maybe shifting themselves to that big 10 physical attack, but with some modern principles into it. That's, that's what I'm interested to see if that's sort of the, the, the philosophical approach this year, because you can build off a lot of things that they do extremely well and make just subtle tweaks that uh, will make a huge difference. And Matt and uh, Greg taking over, I'm just interested to see what their approach is. I am too. I'm right there with you. And you know what? I know we could keep going and I know we could dive further, but I'm going to make the listeners wait. We're going to, we're going to find another time. We'll have to talk some more Gophers football. We'll probably find another time to even maybe chat about some of these other big 10 changes, the complete, different systems that are going in place over in our rivals at the Badgers. I know that if anybody can speak to it, once you're given the time to look at it and whatnot, it's you house. So I'm definitely going to have you back on and Gophers fans definitely check out Danny house. You can find him at Danny house NFL on Twitter, and you have to check him out over at Gophers guru. Why don't you let the people know what you're working on currently over at Gophers guru, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Just posted a series on the offensive line, a two-part series, a second part dropped today. Insight on the Gophers in the NFL draft on the website as well. And then I just did a cool interview today. I'll be putting something out on that soon. So keep an eye out on that. Really fun interview that I did today. So lots of content on the horizon, NFL draft on the way, which is always exciting times. So check it out at gophersguru.com. There it is. And be sure to hit subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Leave a comment down below on what you would like us to talk about on future shows with House. But that's going to do it for us. This is Kane Rob signing off. Row the boats. Go, go, go.